Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Until now. All you need is one person to think you're cool and you're in. It's true. So let's hear it. I'm not Josie Grossy anymore. I'm not Josie Grossy anymore! Oh, yeah. In a story about getting a second chance to make a first impression. I've kissed guys. I just haven't felt that thing. Never been kissed. Welcome to Vicarious Living. Welcome back to the podcast. Special guest tonight, third straight quarantine episode that we've had on the pod. Probably going to do a couple more movies and then start our next TV show, which I am super, super jacked to the tits. I'm jacked to the tits. I'm jacked to the tits. About, which is probably going to be a gossip girl. So, so excited about that. But before we get into the next show, tonight on the pod, our next movie. This is a teen drama classic. And a little quick intro for our guest on tonight's pod. This guy has a very close relationship with our business partners, Wicklow Wear. He is also a hard fan and lover of all the classic teen content that we know and love on this pod. Before we call him, let's give a little housekeeping. First and foremost, our Gmail account, vicariouslivingpod at gmail.com. And on Instagram, you can find us, Vicarious Living Podcast on the gram. Slide into our DMs for any of our swag situations. $30 on the baseball tees, $20 on tanks, $40 on the hooded sweatshirts. Get at us, kids, for all of the goods. Okay, let's give our guest a call. This is Patrick M. Oh, what's up, my dude? What's up? So why don't we, why don't we just kick it off with an introduction of you, though? Just get you know, give the kid listeners like an idea of of who the guest is on tonight's pod, Patrick M. <laughs> so you live, you're a West Coast guy. As I said in the intro, you are a close, intimate, personal friend of our business partners from the Midwest, now living West, West Coast in san francisco what else do the kids need to know about you the kids should also know that i was the first brand ambassador for wicklow wear to spread the word of wicklow across the country well and can we say slash model you've been in some insta pics 
I have been in some Insta pics. Yeah. Some model yeah. slash ambassador. It's due to perhaps me being very persistent in sending Wicklow pics to the brand founders mm. on a basis. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they'd ever just give you a piece of that company, like some shares, just based on your ambassador? You know, I, I think I deserve some equity, but right. it's, it's hard to cut a deal with MagD Dub and Pat Williams. So yeah. we're, we're still working on that. I can't even think of her as Mag, Mag Dubs. It doesn't even process in my head. She'll always be Mag D in my head. When you hear her voicemail calling herself Maggie Williams, is it weird for you to hear that? I'm like, you're Mag D. Like, change no, and it's not, it's literally not weird at all in terms of her gaining the Williams, be, like getting married because I love Pat, where we have a Loctite relationship, played golf with him today. It's not that she's gaining a Williams. It's more, I'm not good mentally, like with people changing their shit. Like there's this girl who works with me who she introduced herself as Amanda because that's her full name found out like a year and a half later that she actually goes by Mandy like her family calls her Mandy everyone calls her Mandy and like yeah. in my head even though I'd only known her a year and a half I could not transition like she was an Amanda yeah yeah I get that and I, I feel like with your sister as well like Mag D has been such a staple name <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like, a power nickname since kindergarten, and it's been like really following the steps of Missy Elliott, and like who could yeah. ever call Missy Elliott something other than that? So yeah, Mag D to me just that sticks for life. Yeah. Um, okay, dude. This movie announce the movie that we're doing on tonight's pod. Get everyone jacked. We are reviewing one of the best movies of 1999 never been kissed but actually the cast in this movie is kind of shocking how many people are in it i know we'll we'll get to all of them specifically in our, our player breakdown um but i'm with you it's i i was struggling to just keep it to like okay let's only talk about three or four main characters because they're even the small ones like fucking james franco's in this movie <laughs> it's like right. what the fuck <laughs> but so yeah Never Been Kissed to me is one of the top teen movies of the 90s and early 2000s. Which is like our sweet spot. Our sweet spot is that late 90s, early 2000s. That's just where we grew up. <laughs> but yeah, dude. Uh, I, I also think, yes, we grew up there, but that was like the golden age because it wasn't really happening in the 80s. It's now just like got dabbles of it with like Euphoria or that movie like Book Smart. But I feel like the wheelhouse, like if you looked at the golden age, it would be late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, yeah. 100%. I yeah. mean, that's when you had Never Been Kissed. Like, she's all that. Tend to yep. get you. All, all like 99, 2000, 2001. So what I wrote down on this, on this movie real quick before we get into it is directed by Raja Gosnell, who... Um, Honestly, he's just a terrible director. The only other movies he did, the uh, Scooby-Doo Atrocities. He did Big Mama's House with Martin Lawrence. And then, oh, yeah, he single-handedly ruined the Home Alone franchise. <laughs> By doing, he did, he would do the I third Home Alone. Big Mama's House, though, I feel like you have to give some credit on that one. I 
I think I owned that movie on VHS and watched it no less than 75,000 times. I'm pretty sure my older sister and I were begging our mom to let us go see that in theaters. And she said no every time. Which, looking back, that premise, how bad was that? Like Martin Lawrence. Tyler Perry stole Martin Lawrence's vibe and just made a killing on it. Yeah. Martin got screwed over. Yeah, because Martin Lawrence also just, dominated that movie blue streak if you remember that oh i I remember blue streak um let's see the the only other interesting thing for the uh the writer slash director the writers of this movie also did he's just not that into you the vow and valentine's day so i just i just had to google this raja person Mm -hmm. you you forgot a very important movie Oh, on his uh, IMDb? What is it? Yeah, uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this guy, he knows his way around a fucking A movie. <laughs> My, I'm wondering if he's just a huge stoner that just somehow got yeah. some, some good opportunities and met the right people in the film industry. Because his, his list is, there's not really any no. <laughs> well films in here and i'm gonna look up because now i want to just see oh you know what though it was editing him as an editor because he was a really good editor he did mrs doubtfire pretty woman home alone one home alone two rookie of the year miracle on 34th street he was killing it as an editor he just didn't make a very good tr- transition. <laughs> no, he just did shit movies as a director. Hey, but he, he got the Smurfs and Smurfs too as a director. <laughs> uh, yeah. Apex. Okay. Plot of this movie reads a copy editor in her early twenties gets her chance to become a reporter at a Chicago daily. She's sent to do a feature on what cool high schoolers are doing these days. To really find out, she goes undercover as a student, and back at school, she gets to repair her own scarred teen psyche, as she was a total geek in her first go-around. Never been kissed. I honestly, just on the plot of this movie, when it was happening, I was so confused. Because again, I've never seen this movie. Did you happen to just hear the loose premise that even set this all up with like the, the her boss in the newsroom who was like, we're looking for ideas for our next story. Um, and then there's this clip. So anyway, last night, I'm sitting home with my family having dinner. My younger boy starts to choke. Then I realized my son was allergic to peanuts. I said to myself, holy shit. I don't even know my own kids. How much do we know about these high school kids? What are they thinking? And then it hit me. Boom! My semester in high school. You. What's your name? Josie. Jose? Josie Geller. Josie Geller, you enroll Friday. Have fun. The meeting just ended. It was so he also starts that meeting by like firing that guy. <laughs> that guy, 
I think I have. I, I feel bad for the guy he fired because it sounded like he wrote a pretty good article and the boss was just like, hey, not good enough. You're fired. Yeah. Um. Anyways, two quick fun facts and then we'll get into some Rotten Tomatoes. I already mentioned James Franco. This is his first film of all time. James Franco. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was his first one. Yeah. He is the... uh What's he, the douchey, one of the douchey friends of, like, the cool hot guy guy? Yeah, he, like, Franco doesn't say much in this movie, but, yeah, he's definitely just one of the douchebag popular guy friends. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Those roles in movies are, like, my favorite side roles of just, like, hey, man, you're just a hot douche. So just be hot and suck. (laughs) He is a hot douche. I (laughs) Second one, Josie, a.k.a. Drew Barrymore, her assignment to go back to high school, it said it resembles the experiences of Cameron Crowe, who is a famous director. He did like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He went back to his old high school at the age of 21 and wrote a novel and screenplay based on his experience there, which became the aforementioned movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So I think this was like an homage to that. And he actually did that. It's also very um, 21 Jump Street-esque. Yeah. Which is weird because whenever I look at them, though, it's like very clear, Drew Barrymore, you're 33 years old. So when they go back, like when they go back to high school, it's, it, I'm just, I just keep thinking, how is anyone mistaking her for 16 and a half? She's 33. It's, it's a little questionable. <laughs> like, it's just such a loose premise. It's one of those movies though where so many things, if you think about them, you're like, that makes no sense. You just kind of have to roll with it. I will suspend my disbelief on like ages and stuff. I mean, fuck, if you look at any of the team dramas we've done on this pod, the OC, I'm pretty sure the average age of the cast is like 25 and a half and they're all playing 15. So I will suspend my disbelief, but I don't know why Drew Barrymore specifically, it was just tough. Yeah. It was hard. All right, dude, you want to guess some Rotten Tomatoes? Have you seen the score? I did not look it up because I know that the Rotten Tomatoes percent is a part of these episodes you guys do so i wanted to actually just guess what do you what are you feeling on that because i'm i'm kind of all over the map so i don't think it's fresh like i know no. what is <laughs> like certified fresh i think is over 60 percent is like 60 or 65 uh-huh um or it, no i think over 60 is fresh and then over 80 is certified fresh Oh, uh, okay. So, so it's, it's neither. <laughs> Correct. I don't think it is. Well, my guess is that it's neither, even though I myself would rate it with a high enough score to put in that bucket. I would be a critic that would give them positive points to get in there. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the percent, mm, I don't think it's super low either. I think I'm going to go with like 48. That's right around where I, I honestly was going to guess 49. So you're doing like price is right bullshit to me now. No, no, I genuinely had 49 in my head, but I wish I could take credit for that strategically because you're right. That is like a very sound strategic move. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to let it go, but I'm, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, my rationale was I couldn't give it over a coin flip in like the positive category. So I was like, 
what can I do to just say it's it's definitely rotten, but not aggressively rotten? I'll just take one percent lower than a coin flip. Yeah. Well, and and I think too, it's not one of those movies where like the entire movie you're like, this is so bad. Like there are definitely scenes where I think you think to yourself, like, this is actually like a legitimately funny scene. So I think that's what puts in that like mid mid realm too. I love that point actually, because that was the exact experience I had watching this movie for the first time three days ago or whatever was yeah. half the time I was genuinely thinking you can ask my wife, she'll vouch for it. Cause she was next to me as I was watching this on my computer. Half the time I was saying, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the other half of the time I was genuinely laughing. So it was like it's a it's a it's a really weird blend because there's not a, there's not many movies where there's parts where you're like this is so garbage and parts where you like are actually laughing when you're watching it yeah there's not a ton of movies like that yeah i i i was laughing at at some of the some of the moments for sure um let's let's give an answer to this rotten tomatoes we are both very close 55 percent okay yeah, that, yeah. that sounds about right. Now, audience score higher, 69. So yeah. the audience is liking this significantly more than the critics. I'm not surprised with that because I feel like this movie, it, it's not like a hardcore cult classic, but it, it's kind of like approaching that level. So I am not surprised by the audience score at all, actually. I, I would have guessed that that was higher than 69%. So would I. So would I. Yeah. Anyways, player breakdown. You ready? I am. I am very ready. Drew a Barrymore, aka Josie. What are your thoughts on her? I like her. I think, I mean, she, she does a good job in the role. I mean, her, her character is supposed to be like very nice, but like the nerdiest person ever. And yeah. I think she very much delivers on that. <laughs> and I, I like her as the nerd post high school though. Cause I, I do think she has a little more confidence and there's some parts of me where she sticks up for other people that I like a lot. And yeah, she's just like a genuinely like good person in, in her role. And I, I think it's very believable. So I, I think she does a good job. Full agreement. My takeaway was, God, Drew Barrymore is just fucking giving. She is just giving 120% in every scene. And like, it really came through in the moments when she was like a nerd or like, you know, flashing back to high school, getting bullied and stuff. But She's just putting it all out there, dude. Like she, she went for it in this movie. She was swinging for the fences, and I appreciate that. It's very, it's very believable. Like you know, you you watch certain movies and certain characters feel forced. You're just like, "Eh, I don't know if I'm sold. Like it, it all just seems very natural from her. So yeah, very believable character. Solid actress. I'm still a little shocked that like in life she became as big of an A-lister as she did because I, I don't. In any serious movies, I've never seen her like go that extra level to being like where I would consider her an A-lister. But she has something though that like 
locks you in. When she's on the screen, you are paying attention. She's very, she's a very likable actress. I yes. I just don't know if she can like carry a movie like, like a Brad Pitt, but I do think if she's in the ensemble cast, I'm excited. Yeah, I agree with that. Cause I, I actually can't think of, I can think of movies she's in that I, that I also like, but they're not those like Oscar worthy, getting a bunch of nominations types of movies. Well, what are your favorite movies she's in? If you want, I can just rattle off my top three real quick while you think. Yeah, let me think for a second. So mine, and it's not totally fair to say this first one, but I will. E.T. She she was in it. Reese's Pieces. Wedding Singer. Love that movie. And then this last one is... It's... Probably got a lot of mixed reviews on it, but I kind of like it. Fever Pitch with um, Jimmy Ooh, Fallon. I forgot about Fever Pitch. I like it, but it only it's only mainly because it strikes a chord with me because that was kind of my life with my now wife for the longest time. Like I was obsessed with the Celtics, obsessed with Kevin Garnett. So my life like centered around what their schedule was, when they were playing every night, my moods were dictated specific, like, oh, they lost a game. I'm now just going to shit down your throat for the next two and a half days. <laughs> Sorry for you. <laughs> so, like, I, I just liked, I don't know why I used uh, shit down your throat there, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I can't say I've heard that phrase before. but uh, Yeah, just know I was getting shitty with her. And, again, I don't know why I used, like, poo down her throat for that. But um, That's a pretty aggressive way to put it. Right. Uh, I hope that Anna's okay. She's not eating actual poop, but you know what I mean. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I, I, I that movie just resonated with me though because I'm like, damn, this guy's obsessed with sports, and he is just taking it out on all of his loved ones when they lose and shit. That sucks. Okay, what are your top Drew Barrymore movies? Yeah, so I do think The Wedding Singer is a good one, but um. Ever After. Also what is cool. Ever After? I've never seen that, and it seems like that's like a critically hot movie. It's basically Cinderella, but in a more realistic way, versus like little rodents helping you make a dress and stuff like that. All the, <laughs> all the fantasy elements of Cinderella are taken away for whatever After is. So it's kind of like The Dark Knight as like a realistic take on Batman. This is a realistic take on Cinderella. Yes. Yeah. So that is, it's just a actually a good movie. Um, like if you haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend watching it. 51st dates is good. Um, <laughs> I just, we've talked about 51st dates on this pod way more than I can believe we ever have, but the brother in 51st dates is i love him i love everything about him rudy (laughs) yeah and then the this is like she's not even a star in this movie but i think you have to give a shout out to scream just because that's such a classic movie and she's the first person to die now i yeah i want to add that to my list scream i love that movie and i saw a fun fact about that uh when i was researching drew barrymore it said that she actually had a real shot to be the Nev Campbell lead character in Scream 
and took herself out of the running or turned it down because she was like, honestly, I think that character in the title, uh, the title opening credit scene is just going to be more fun to play. So I want to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like an iconic character too. And like everyone remembers that. It was made fun of in uh, what was that? Um, Scary movie one. Yeah. Shit. Who was that? Uh, Carmen Electra who played her. <laughs> Nailed it. I, that that's someone I just forgot was a person. Dude, Cincinnati. Uh, she's from Cincinnati. I think it's. Do we want that tied to our city though? I don't know. Like I'll I, take I, it because we don't have much. I mean, it's it's her, Nick Lachey. I mean, George Clooney, which is kind of nice, and and then um, Jerry Springer. Yeah, Jerry Springer. <laughs> That's it. Whenever people are asking me about Cincinnati, my first famous person I always mention is Jerry Springer. Yeah, he was a mayor too, right? <laughs> he was the mayor. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I wrote down on her. Fun fact: one, she never actually finished high school. Not surprising, um, because she had a tumultuous childhood. Here's some of the highlights of her growing up. Drug and alcohol abuse before she was even a teenager. So at the age of like 11 and 12 was just getting fucked up all the time. And I think it's because she she got famous. She did E.T. at seven. So she had a fucked up like parent life and household. Got famous at a super young age and then was like thrown into like this crazy Hollywood scene. Yeah, and, like, when you're a kid, like, even beyond childhood, like, you are, to some degree, a product of your environment. And, like, I feel like there was no way she wasn't going to be fucked up. No. It's kind of like Justin Bieber or Miley Cyrus. You're just like, yeah, all of you are fucked. I I can't even hold any of that stuff against them. I'm like, I would probably be as fucked up, if not more. Yeah. She went to rehab at the age of 13. That's how I was saying she was abusing that shit before teens. <laughs> That's speak. before we were even really starting to drink. Oh, I don't think, honestly, I was a late bloomer on, like, drinking. I don't think I drank until, like, 17. I had a wine cooler when I was 13. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, on vacation, uh, stole a single wine cooler and acted like that had, like, any effects. Yeah, it's getting uh, fucked up. I think we we drank a little bit starting when we were 14. But it really wasn't like a thing, I feel like, until later high school. I feel like most people at were dabbling at 15 and then 16 when you got access to, like, your friends had cars and you could go somewhere that wasn't just, like, yeah. your own house in your basement. That's when most people started drinking and yeah, I was probably a year later, but anyways, um, she spent 18 months in a mental institution, attempted suicide at the age of 14 rehab again, emancipated at 14 from her parents, got her own apartment at 15. And then by 17 was posing nude in magazines and 19 nude again in playboy fuck she had a wild <laughs> run from seven I mean, when when you're going to rehab your first official year as a teenager <laughs> yeah that's tough well because yeah i guess like 13 is when you officially are considered a teenager right yeah <laughs> like yeah that, that is a parent's worst nightmare 
but another thing I, I completely forgot about in my rundown is it's not like it all cleared up at, when she got to her 20s. Because remember that whole run she had with like Tom Green and all that craziness of like getting married to him multiple times? Yeah, that was... I was so like I I'm a huge supporter and fan of Drew Barrymore, <laughs> and the Tom Green stint was like it was like, weird. Tom Green is so weird and like weird in the worst ways possible. Like you just you just don't want to fuck with that. So at least she's moved on from that. Is there a Tom Green movie that you like? Uh, <laughs> no. But the only one that even comes to mind is. Uh, Freddie got fingered. So what about Road Trip? That movie's dynamite. <laughs> I mean, if I've smoked a blunt, sure. <laughs> okay, so then we'll add it. And then, I don't know, have you ever seen Stealing Harvard? God, I've brought this movie up so many times, no one's I've, ever I've seen, seen it. Stealing Harvard. You've not? No. It's, dude. Who uh, else is, is, that, is that Sean William Scott? No, it's, um, it's the guy from My Name is Earl. I'm just blanking on his name. I can't. I, I think I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name, though. Let me just play a quick clip of my favorite scene from Stealing Harvard. This is going to be so out of context, but I just want to play it. Here it is. Are you serious? Duff, I don't know what to say. Don't worry about it, man. Just hop in. We got to meet him in 15 minutes. Okay. John. Oh, I see. What is he doing here? Evening, ma'am. You want to shut off lady? You want to shut it off for me? Duff, please. Maybe you'd like to shut it off for me. Duff, just... Please, just sit tight a sec, okay? What is he doing here? I thought you weren't hanging out with him anymore. You know, Duff's grown up an awful lot. He's still an asshole. Mmm, casserole. I said asshole. I thought you said casserole. Well, I said asshole. I, I heard casserole. Yeah, dude, I love stealing Harvard. I want to do that movie at some point on this podcast. Um, it's just amazing. Uh, oh, you know who else is in it is... Um, I, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia article now. It's the uh, Judd Apatow's wife. Yes. Leslie Mann. How have I not seen this movie? I feel like this is a movie that I would watch. <laughs> oh, dude, add it to your list. It's fucking amazing. It's so good. It's so under the radar. I don't know why. It's just like a diamond in the rough comedy, yeah, though. Jason Lee's in it, too. Um, yeah, I, I, this is going on the list for sure. All right, dude. Second, second character. David Arquette. You mean Big Rob? Yeah, Big Rob. He's <laughs> I, the brother. I love, I love Big Rob. He's interesting um, just with his whole family. Like, I don't understand the whole, like, family. I was looking him up, and apparently it goes all the way back, like, not just his grandfather, but, like, his great-grandfather. Like, they're part of this, like, crazy acting family. Both of his parents acted, and then he has like four or five brothers and sisters, like Rosanna Arquette. Um, is it like his his sister is Monica on Friends? No, that was his Wait, no, that wife. Was his... Oh, they're, yeah. They're divorced now, but they were together for uh, a. I think, honestly, I think half the reason he was famous as long as he was was because he was married to Monica from Friends. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. He was just in the spotlight constantly because she was on, you know, a show that was that big. Um, I just wrote down everything he's been in is pure garbage. Besides, he was in the aforementioned Scream One. Uh, I mean, he was in Eight Legged Freaks. Is that, <laughs> yeah, is that not considered a, a good. You're thing? right. Yeah, you're right. Um, you're right. 
quality movies. Look, I'll admit when I'm wrong, and I'm wrong about Eight Legged Freaks. Wait, did um, you have seen Eight Legged Freaks? No, I'll never watch that garbage piece of shit. I uh, I've seen a lot of garbage movies. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit I've seen Eight Legged Freaks more than once. Uh, that is sad, wait. dude. Yeah. Do you know he's also a pro wrestler? <laughs> I feel like that's a lie. Uh, um, <laughs> no, it's it's he like <laughs> he became legit in pro wrestling, like pretty legit. I I somehow get like super jacked because th- that's not his look, and at least not never been kissed. So in this movie, he is the um, same as Josie. He goes back because he like makes her cool. Like he's actually cool, and she's a nerd. And him, he's really good at baseball. And him going back like helps get her out of like the nerd rut. Yeah, I mean, he he saved her ass. Like he he's the one who really pushed that along. There there yeah. was no way she was getting cool without help. Nope. Uh, so all small characters here. I'm not going to dive deep into them. I just want to list them. Maybe the last one we can dive deep into. But Molly Shannon. Octavia Spencer, James Franco, Jessica Alba, and John C. Riley all in this movie. <laughs> Insane. Yeah, I feel I feel like John C. Riley in this movie, like that is such like a character fit for him. I I don't I can't think of someone else I would pick to do that character other than him. He uh, nailed it, dude. He nailed it. Such an interesting career. I I said um People forget that he was like a serious actor for most of his career first before he like became the Will Ferrell, like stepbrothers, Talladega Nights, all that shit. Let me just list these movies where he played like a dead serious character in mostly dramas. So Days of Thunder, he was a henchman in this movie, River Wild, Boogie Nights, Thin Red Line, For Love of the Game, Perfect Storm. Gangs of New York, Aviator, Chicago. He did all these like real <laughs> movies. I feel like he's like a dark horse actor. Cause like I, I don't remember him like now that you say him, I'm like, oh shit, he wasn't all those. But none of those are at top of mind. Like top of mind is like stepbrothers. Right. Yeah. It was really first with Talladega Knights, him and Will Farrell. And then everyone yeah. realized like shit. This guy is like as funny as Will Ferrell. And then they did Step Brothers. But um, yeah, it was just interesting. In in like movies like The Perfect Storm, he is like, there's not one comedic line he has in the entire movie. He's just kind of like a dick. It's yep. wild to see. I, um, I had a couple notes on him. Yeah, My, fire away. Uh, the most important one being um, that one of his hobbies is knitting. And, oh, nice. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote, ask, ask Brian if he thinks this is an acceptable hobby. <laughs> um, I would to hear your thoughts on that. So I guess my first thought would be in the quarantine, all bets are off on fucking acceptable hobbies, you know? So it's like people picking up anything now could be crochet, could be knitting, could be anything fucking weird i'm not opposed to it it's like yeah what do you what else are you gonna do i would say in general it's pretty disgusting to me <laughs> as a hobby in general or for 
it to be a man's hobby. I would say it's a pretty boring hobby in general. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm netting out. I don't really like honestly get too caught up in the is is this only acceptable to be a lady hobby or a man hobby? I'm not getting caught up in that. I'm mostly in like, for me, it just moves zero fucking needle. But what I will say, what I will say, the output though, gets me kind of jacked about knitting, you know? Like you made that. Yeah. Like you, we could start knitting Wicklow headbands. Right. Now there's some movement in my pants. (laughs) like now i'm going shit maybe i should just knit for like the output of like now like anyone who comes up to me it's like uh this headband yeah i knit this fuck you it's a truly original piece yeah at that point shit now i've done a 180 i i i support knitting i mean Anyone who likes to knit for their hobby, it's like, go for it. But I think maybe I support that hobby more than I thought initially. Yeah, dude. I've totally just done a 180. Now now I kind of want to get into it over quarantine 2020. Well, now's, now's the time. <laughs> I'm just thinking like, damn, like if, if someone said, like, oh, hey, can you pass me that blanket? It's cold in your house. Your fucking AC is set to like 62. And I go, oh, this blanket? This one? Yeah, knit the fuck out of that. Here you go. Stay warm. <laughs> you'll see the initials BD in the bottom right corner. Yeah, look, yeah, you'll see the I, initials in the bottom corner. Uh, I knit those on too. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Are you are you good with characters? I'm pretty done with characters. I'm ready to get into this fucking movie. I think I'm good, but I, I do want to make sure we get to talk about uh Molly Shannon a little bit more. <laughs> oh, we will. Yeah. <laughs> Let's right, transition I'm- into the movie with a little song, Catch a Falling Star first song of this movie here it is catch a falling star and put it in your pocket never let it fade away catch a falling star and put it in your pocket save it for a rainy day so introduced to drew barrymore right off the bat dude i wrote not good not good at all no makeup Here's what I didn't like. They made it seem like she's disgusting as fuck because she's like a go-getter woman who's like crushing career and stuff. So she just doesn't have time to like be pretty or like literally throw any sort of blush on her cheeks. Like nothing because she's a career woman. And that felt very 1999 to me. Yeah. I mean, I I don't like that image, but I, I think that like, I think that's kind of part of her character too, though. Is like she she is still a nerd, so they she, couldn't, right. they couldn't like really doll her up. Like it was that'd be too like one eighty from like what she I think is like supposed to be in her character. Yeah, but it's a very woke point by me. I mean, I just wanted to get some woke points like right off the bat with the breakdown on this movie before I get like unwoke as fuck. I just wanted to like hit it, you know, like hey, I don't like nineteen ninety nine career woman. She's being chastised for being a career woman. Hey, woke points for me. Um, what I will say is we got to set this movie up. I want to put a quick clip in here where she level sets everyone about she's sitting around with her friends at lunch and she's talking about like how she's never been fully kissed. Here's a clip. I've kissed guys. I just haven't felt that thing. That thing. 
Is that what you kids are calling it these days? <laughs> that thing, that moment when you kiss someone and everything around you becomes hazy. And the only thing in focus is you and this person. And you realize that that person is the only person that you're supposed to kiss for the rest of your life. I had no idea that she's actually been kissed. It's just she's never been like, quote unquote, kissed. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, like, she, that, that's how I took it too. Like, she's been kissed. It just had, she's not had any kiss that meant something to her. Right. That's what she means? There's a chance that some guy has gone down on her and kissed her down below for 47 straight minutes, but she wasn't in love with him, so she's not counting that. That's how I took it. There, there's a time and place for that. Right, right. <laughs> and it's when you're in love and you're married, dude. That's when the time oh, and place. Or, or, also, or also sometimes if you're not. I mean, <laughs> there are physical needs that all humans have. <laughs> right. But let's just make sure, like, there's not too much of Satan down there when you're doing it unmarried. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. There's balance that's needed. Yeah. So I just, it was mind-blowing to me because I was like, oh, I went in thinking I am confused because she's, like, 40 years old and somehow she's gone her entire life without ever being kissed. But this made a little more sense to me of, like, no, she's probably been kissed and probably fucked but she just hasn't been in love. So this Okay, yeah, that that's my well, interpretation is like she hasn't had any like meaningful relationships in her life yet. But yes. she's definitely she's definitely gotten some action. Why why call it never been kissed then? Confusing the fuck out of, you know, idiots like me. Why not just call it never been in love or something where it's clear never, never been meaningfully banged. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's a better working title. Yeah, never been meaningful meaningfully fucked or banged if yeah if we want to you know make sure Wait, how, about, how about only fucked but never made love right yeah yeah i like that better yeah we, we can brainstorm that a little bit more <laughs> but but yeah i agree i i interpret that as like she has been kissed it just hasn't been anything that's mattered to her can we see that this could realistically happen She's 25, so by 25, we're saying she's never been in love by 25. I don't think that that's out, that outlandish of a premise. No, I think that's totally believable. Yeah. You think that the whole undercover high school thing could happen in real life? I think it could. You just would have to like accept they don't make any sense, but I think someone could actually go undercover to high school in real life too. I think so too. It's just... The, the difficulty I was having with suspending my disbelief was that she wasn't actually 25. It's very clear to me that Drew Barrymore is like 33. I had to look it up when... Let me fucking look it up. The, the least believable part of this movie, honestly, is that she is uh, such a high-up copy editor with an assistant already when she's 25. I'm like, you've only been working for one to two years at that point. <laughs> That's right. the least believable part of the story. Okay, so she was born in 75. This movie was in 99. So, shit. But she was 25. God damn. She just looks so old. I mean, we we just talked about how she started drinking at 11 and went to rehab at 13. (laughs) A lot of years. That has something to do with why it's harder to believe. Good point. Drugs, Drugs age us. 
she did not look 24, dude, at all. She looks like she's been through life. Like I think she has a look of someone, though, that is hard to tell what age they are. So tough. Because if you look at her now, so she's like in her upper, approaching upper 40s. Yeah, that again. And like, she looks good. Like, she looks good yeah. for her age. Yeah. But she's I agree. always in that weird category where I'm like, you could be 35 or maybe you are 25. Like, it's hard to say. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's your point. They, and we already played the clip of the loose, the loose ass premise that the boss goes off about. He just wants someone to go undercover in high school for some ridiculous reason. And she, who is, just a copy editor. This is like her shot to become like a real journalist is to go undercover, go into this high school and get like the scoop on some big story that she can like, they really want is like a sex scandal with a teacher that to them is like prime time. Yeah. Perfect. That's like, let's be honest that that's what they wanted the whole time. Yes. Okay. Now let's go to her day one. Her day one is shows up. Dressed in all white feathers, feathers. I have a lot of thoughts on that. I, I I was just confused on like, okay, you're 25. You're you're not even 10 years removed from high school. You're dressing as if you're 40 years removed. Like you're so disconnected. That outfit blew my mind. What the so the the thoughts on the outfit to start are absolutely not. Whoever told you to wear that should reevaluate your relationship with that person. <laughs> Whoever tells her to wear it, how is she not just like, you yeah, know? I think it was Molly Shannon who told her to wear that. It's so bad. Okay. But, yeah. But like that kind of adds up. But I, I cannot get on board with that outfit, especially the feather collar and like it, everything about it. I, it's very cringeworthy. And I, I actually don't even know what category that outfit falls under. Like, I, like, wanted to say, like, disco-y at first, but it's not quite that. Like, it's just something that shouldn't be worn. <laughs> if, if that was ever worn, <laughs> like, a decade, yes, it would have been 70s or 60s. Yeah. But, but not 80s and not 90s which is when she went to high school so (laughs) you're like 20 years off of when that was ever cool let alone when your high school experience and i don't know it just seems so disconnected because i get it she's a nerd but i'm sure nerds are still kind of like aware of what the cool people are wearing kind of they're just not wearing it but like think about our high school dude I'm pretty sure everyone could look around and see that all the cool people were wearing New Balance shoes. You know, even the nerds who weren't wearing them were like, "Hey, everyone's wearing newbies." Well, I just I think that knowing knowing Josie and that she's kind of been she's nerd at nerd at the core no matter what. If I was Gus, I would have been like, "I need I need to improve your outfit that you're wearing to your first." Yeah, day. yeah, because Gus that, seems like he was probably awesome. cool. I think Gus would have at least put his foot down and been like, you can't wear that. I'm I'm sorry, girl. <laughs> That's a no. Don't so you I, think, I think Gus was cool was, in high school? Uh, yeah, I feel like he's cool in high school and he's like getting a bit angry because he's like not happy in his, in his post high school life. Totally. 
I totally got that vibe. Gus, aka John C. Riley, is the bot. He seemed like to me a guy who crushed high school, like dominated. I, like, I agree. I feel like he's the guy who, like, he's forty and is still talking about when he was a star player on the football team in high school, and everyone's like, "Wait, that was like twenty plus years ago." Yeah. And he's kind of a dick now, which just seems like yeah, he's kind of angry. I'm just like, mm, yeah, you definitely feel that you peaked a long time ago. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> it's so sad. It is, it is. So she shows up and she starts getting bullied. Uh, it's worth mentioning that Jessica Alba is like the hot uh, Regina George s character in high school. Mean girl. She's definitely a mean girl. By the way, Jessica Alba is probably on my Mount Rushmore of like most perfect females ever constructed. That's, that's a bold statement. It's top four. I think I'm comfortable putting Jessica Alba in my top four hottest females of all time. She, so she's on the hall pass list. Yeah. You'd have to ask my wife, but I think she'd be cool with that. Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable that she would be cool with that. Along with, it might even be more than that, honestly, because she just knows I would have no fucking chance. So it's not even like four that I would get. I probably have a hall pass on like 30 because she knows no chance. (laughs) More than 30 even. Yeah, dude, she's unreal. She, though, uh, in turn, Josie, still not cool. She goes back and like, I think you were talking about earlier, she's still a fucking nerd, even though she's old and wise and you would think maybe she knows like what to be cool. She's not. And she goes back into her old ways, befriends like the nerds. So she, I know I was like, mm. mathletes. Can I just say really quick, her best friend who's a nerd, I think her name is Lily in real life. Yeah. Low-key kind of attracted to her. Yeah, I think she's pretty. Very pretty eyes. Very you, pretty eyes. you triggered by her skin-tight blue outfit at the prom? A little bit. <laughs> a little. I kind of was. She's wearing like a, at the prom at the end of this movie. Yeah, skin-tight. Also, just... why was she wearing that to the prom? Because <laughs> that wasn't even her main outfit. I'm like, wait, you went from DNA to like some like... I don't even know what that outfit is. Blue pube? <laughs> but, okay, but yeah. Um, Josie did not. She definitely jumps back into her nerdy ways from day one. Yeah. She, like, didn't know her audience. Like, one of the first things I think she says to them is, like, like, ladies, like, what are your hopes and dreams? Tell me everything. And it's like, girl, like, you just met these girls. They're bitches the mean girls of high school, you should know that that's not your lead in to try to make friends with them. No, no, don't do that. Do not. That that question works on Lily. (laughs) It doesn't work on these bitchy girls. No, Josie, Josie did not know her audience. So she falls into her old ways. She doesn't know her audience. She's an idiot. Even John C. Riley is like, look, you're not bringing me anything. Okay. You're hanging out with nerds. They're not interesting. I need you to like follow the cools. The cool people are where like the shit is going down. Follow the hot, cool people. So I just put, I want to put this clip in where she's trying to figure out like what she's got to do. And then real poignant moment by Mr. David Arquette, her brother, who delivers this line to her on like how to be cool as someone who was cool himself. Here it is. 
Don't you know how much I just wanted to be you in high school? Just for one day to know what it was like to be popular. It's not that hard, Josie. All you need is the right person. One person to think you're cool and you're in. Everyone else will be too scared to question it. Is that true? Yeah, it's a little known fact. Fucking truths by David Arquette. Fuck. I love that line. <laughs> I, I do think that that's true. I do uh, too, dude. I feel like in all these cliques in high school, there's always people who are like more influence in those crews. Like there's kind of like, I feel like usually like a handful of people that are like, kind of like set the tone for the group. Oh, hundred percent. Like if one of those people in high school says they really like someone new and like wants to like bring them into the group, most people don't question it at all. I like, no. I think that's very true. And to your point, once you get outside of those top key influencers, like in the cool clicks, a lot of the like subsidiaries of that click, there's not that much difference between them and like the nerds in terms of looks or whatever. Like there's no real rhyme or reason. It's just like a lot of, um, a lot of external things like how you dress or whatever. But if you just get to the core of like body type, face, attractiveness, there's not that much difference between like a Josie and Jessica Alba's two lackey friends. There's not much difference there. So if you can get one of those influencers, it's kind of simple to just like then fold yourself in to like the pack with a Jessica Alba. Yeah. I mean, I speaking for myself, like in high school, the majority of the parties that I went to and didn't, didn't get kicked out of, wasn't necessarily invited to, but didn't get kicked out Yeah, <laughs> or didn't get invited to was very strongly linked to the fact that I was friends with all of those girls playing volleyball at Mercy yeah. <laughs> and sister. Yeah. That's why I was like allowed to stay, not because I was cool or anything like that. It was just more like people were into the Mercy volleyball players and wanted them to come. And then I just was like a tag along. Yeah. You're cool by association. It's got to get in with those Mercy volleyball <laughs> yeah. players, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, so that's why I like David Arquette's comment because I, I just thought he nailed it. I thought it was so true. It's very, very true. That's what I was saying, dude. At the beginning of this pod, I was like, so much of this movie, I was just uncontrollably vomiting in my mouth. But then there's other points of this movie where like that line happens and I'm just like, whoa, whoa, fuck was that? <laughs> um all right dude by the way can we just zag to the fucking teacher oh yeah the teacher i michael barton i want to get your thoughts on him let me just let me level set for the kids the listeners the kid listeners on who this fucking teacher is first and foremost he's like a quote-unquote cool teacher he's cool and she sees him out at a bar first and foremost, which side tangent, how much of a nightmare is that? If you see your teacher out, how much well, do you want to like, kill yourself? Running into your teacher at like anywhere in like a grocery store or a restaurant. It's like, you feel awkward. Nordstrom just, rack. <laughs> yeah. It, it could be anywhere. Anywhere. And, 
It's the worst. And it being at a club is like next level. I'm like also like who the fuck in high school is running into their teacher at a club or like bar on like a school night. Okay, quick question then. What who's that more embarrassing for? The teacher or the student? I think it's way more embarrassing for the teacher that he yeah. would be at a bar that high school students are frequenting. Like, dude, like, get a grip of yourself. I agree 100%. I thought that sucked. And then the next scene with the teacher as a lead into, like, my big whole thing I want to do on this teacher is the carnival. The carnival, yeah. the, the fucking teacher now is at the carnival, and he sees that she's about to go and get on uh, a Ferris wheel by herself because she's a nerd. and gets on the ferris wheel with her so uh, some pedo vibes not gonna lie dude it's not weird that he's at the carnival but you know he's having these thoughts of like am i attracted to my high school student so he like he shouldn't even be like putting himself in that ferris wheel situation because no. there's like he's writing checks his boner can't cash i've never heard that one either is that i don't know i mean I, I also tend to live under a rock though so okay is a common phrase and i just don't know it just know this dude but, but I, he's I, putting I himself in a position where his boner is about to fucking make some horrible hey, dude, I, I totally, decisions i totally get the phrase and i i agree like his boner cannot cash that check or he's gonna be looking at jail time correct so this fucking teacher is my m-c-i-t-w on the never been kissed podcast this fucking teacher MCITW, that stands for Marissa Cooper, is the worst of the week. We do uh, it as an homage to Marissa Cooper, who's my least favorite character of all time. Every pod we do, we pick who is the worst fucking character who just sucks ass. And to me, there's no one else other than the teacher. But first, let me give a little love to Wicklow Wear. W-I-C-K-L-O-W Wear. That's Beef Rain Explore. Get all your outdoor gear at wicklowwear.com. Type in the promo code. VL at checkout, get 10% off of your order. If you want gear like the hat you have on, you go to the website, you type in VL at checkout, get 10% off of your order. Dude, if I got to vote on worst character of this whole fucking movie, to me, it's the pedophile teacher. Let me play a quick clip of him on this Ferris wheel and you telling me if he's creepy or not. You know, Laura, my girlfriend you met at the club, We've been going out for five years, and now she wants me to move to New York. And, you know, I mean, I should. I should do it. You know, make the commitment and grow up. I know we have our differences. You know what? I should, shouldn't be talking about this stuff with you. I'm sorry. It's nice to have someone to talk to. <laughs> yeah, same here. Well, all I can tell you is that when you're my age, guys will be lined up around the block for you. You have to say that because you're my teacher. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I'm your teacher. Oh. What? Yeah, it's like, it's definitely getting inappropriate, but so he's not who I picked for this like shitty character award, but I, I agree. It's, it's going too far. Like the, the situation shouldn't even be what it is. Like he shouldn't even be with her on the Ferris wheel. It's like, he is like catching himself though, but it still is like, very creepy. Um, he is towing this creep line, dude, this pedophile yeah. creep line, like aggressively. And I just think as a dude, that line of like, huh, 
God. If I was your boyfriend, mm, I'll tell you what, I, think, I would I think, never I let like, you walk I away. Like guys are going to be lining up around the block for you. Yeah. It's a clash because, like, we know that she's not a high school student, but he doesn't. So, like, he... I know! He should not even be entertaining the idea. So, like, ultimately, it's incredibly creepy. Like, even though he is kind of, like, stopping himself, it's like, well, you shouldn't even be, like, considering this as a thing. Like, it should not even be in your brain. I kept stopping Uh, myself because in my head, I kept doing exactly what you're saying. I kept going, wait, I know in my head she's 25, so this is not creepy. It's all good. But then the other part of my head that I kept checking myself on, I kept going, wait, he does not know. He thinks she's 16. (laughs) Right, exactly. So, like, ultimately, he's being fucking creepy. And it's (laughs) it's interesting to watch this movie – now compared to when it came out because i did not find that whole situation to be creepy at all when i watched for the first time but it's because i was like 10 years old like this is so romantic right (laughs) yeah god and now i'm like wait this is highly inappropriate yeah whoa bud that perspective for me has dramatically changed from the first time i watched it so with that We'll say, idiot, that guy, be free and explore, brought to you by Wicklow, where get fucked. Yeah. One also, like, be free and explore, but in ways that are legal. So I oh, think it's important yeah. just that we, like, clarify that. <laughs> good, good clarifier for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Her brother now, he goes back to high school. They realize, okay, she's just fucking can't get it done on her like on her own being cool she just doesn't have it so her brother who was cool as fuck back in the day when he was in high school he's like i'll go back and i'll like be that person who vouches for you and i'll make you cool by association like a pat going to a party in high school with the mercy girls that's yeah yes that's what david arquette is about to do for drew barrymore so i i liked the aspect of like you know nature versus nurture i kind of liked that when he went back like nature kicked in and he was like still fucking cool you know i kind of liked that he he knew what to do yeah was eat a bucket of coleslaw i didn't get how that made him cool but yeah apparently that did make him cool I mean, if you were first day in school, you beat, like, one of the other big football guys in a coleslaw eating contest, and you down, like, 10 pounds of coleslaw. Yeah. That's going to get you some really good street credit. Yeah. Yeah. It did. I just love nature crushing nurture in life all the time. Like, I just like those moments, and that's why it made me think of that. Like, damn, he went back. It's just like fucking nothing changed. He could have gone back 20 years later. He'd still be cool as fuck. Yeah, I mean, with the nature nurture, I, I think that nature always comes through eventually. So Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's that. on the flip side, that's why Josie, when she went back, she was still a nerd. It's just kind of how it is. Um, all right. Actually, do you just want to get in? Now, now I have him on my mind. I have that assistant on my mind. Let's just get into it. I put that assistant as my first nominee on my Ryan Phillippe practice hero award list. 
But before we get into all the nominees, a little startup music. Here it is. It's easy to sum it up. We just talk about practice. We sitting here, we in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. We talking about practice, man. Practice? I mean, how silly is that? Let's set the stage. Ryan Phillippe, Practice Your Award. These are the nominees for the guy or girl who is doing way too much in the movie. Every scene they're in, they're at like a 30 out of 10. You're more thinking about them as an actor. Like, did you just make that creative decision to dial it up? Because you know you only have like three scenes, so you're just going to 150%. For me, in that dynamic, the fucking assistant would have to be number one on that list. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I mean, now that I know what that award is, like, he's definitely doing the most. And he's also, like, to me, the least self-aware character in the movie because I think in his head he, like, is a ladies' man and is, like, very suave and charismatic and, like, important. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know how you will be brought back down to earth, but... Someone needs to do that for you. And I also, like, just am annoyed by him, like, being Josie's assistant and just, like, not doing anything she asks him to do. Like, Josie's just so nice. I'm like, just fucking, like, get her shit ready and stop being a douchebag. So he's got everything of, like, that shitty millennial stigma that's attached to a lot of young people, which is just, I'm narcissistic as fuck. I'm better than you, and I'm not going to do anything. I'm told even when I'm a lowly... Uh, assistant or analyst at the company i'm just gonna yeah i'm better than you even though you're my boss and make 100 grand more than me he's got (laughs) that he sucks yeah like she's asking him for the most minor things and he's like ignoring her and then he's talking to his friend on the phone about some like pair of pants he's gonna buy and i'm just like i hate this guy he sucks i'm just gonna put a quick clip in here just so the kids can get a taste the way I see it, we are tomorrow. Hello, I'm tomorrow. Because when we get the money and the power, the women come to me. The women come to me. Do what I'm doing. You know, if you ain't moving, no movement. You better write that down. You got a napkin? God, this guy's a fucking douche. Yeah. Um, okay, now. This is a slightly Mean Girls-esque thing that yeah. I actually, what I don't even know why I'm admitting to this. But yeah, we, we worked with a guy at my last job and and we may have uh had a code name for him to call him merkin oh really yeah <laughs> that's amazing it's it's kind of shitty but the shoe also fit very well and i just was like if i've ever met a merkin in real life it's this guy so yeah my my friend amanda and i had a code name for him called him merkin i love that dude look i am a hundred percent on board with corporate bullying <laughs> you you sure you want to go on record saying that yes i'm 100 percent sure there's so many douchebags that like work in the corporate world and um a lot of nicknames are floating around and i think i'm going to add merkin to the list of just yep. oh merkin it's it's a great ad yeah yeah dude some people suck ass i that, that's all that some people just suck some serious ass. So, okay. Now, he's the first nominee. I'm going to actually let you pick. So, just drink all these in. He's number one. 
Number two for me, I put Jessica Alba on there because her just in that Regina George hot bitch role, I love it because it's so extra. It's just the definition of extra. I mean, every scene that Jessica Alba is in, while she is about as beautiful as it gets, she is a massive bitch on steroids. And so she's in there. Three on the list. This one you brought up, and I love putting her on here too because she's doing a whole lot in a good way. Molly Shannon, the office slut. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so hold on. I'll I'll let you finish. Are there any other options? Yes, so there's one more. I'll just say quickly on her. I love her. The scene where she's she's like uh, in the corporate meeting and she just hooked up with this guy, Roger, Roger and op-ed. op-ed. Yeah. And they're in it. She's in a meeting with this guy she just hooked up with. And she's like, keeps looking over at him when the boss is talking and like just grabbing her boobs. And then she starts deep throating a pencil. <laughs> it was amazing. I just was like laughing too. Like I like, I wish that that meeting happens to me in real life. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like the bull are like doing weird sexual shit across the table. Like that's the type of tea I am in search of at work. Yeah. Like that is the meeting goal I'm striving to be a part of. Hashtag corporate Not to be work doing team things, goals. But just to be a witness, just to be there to watch. Oh yeah. If you're a fly on the wall in that meeting or just like three seats over watching the sexual tension between a Molly Shannon deep throating a pencil and fucking Roger and op-ed. Yeah. It's just like, Whoa, the last one on this nominee list. Number four guy Perkins, the hot guy. Mm. He hot though. Do you think he's hot? This is a good conversation to have. Let's first outline who he is. When she goes back to high school, like in current times as a 25-year-old, Guy Perkins is the hot. I'm trying to think. He's like two, He's like 1999 hot. He's always got a necklace on that's like a leather necklace with a, yeah. uh, like a sterling silver pendant on it. A leather wrist guard, very early 2000s, Ryan Atwood-esque on the OC, leather wrist guard. He's always got a button down that's like... One button too many. Yes. Left undone. He's just screams 1999 hot guy, and I loved it, but goddamn is he extra as fuck. I classify him as like, his vibes are dashboard confessional. Mm. (laughs) He's like hot dashboard confessional he is not i don't think he's bad looking he's definitely not my type but he definitely has like this like brooding emo bands hot factor to him so let's dig deeper into that because when i'm watching it i'm i am like i i don't buy it i don't buy him as the hot cool guy like i'm just not feeling it and, and I don't even know who I would say I could say that about because even when I see like David Arquette Rob, who's supposedly cool when he goes back, I'm like, I'm not seeing that either. But then I see a James Franco, who's one of Guy Perkins's like really good friends. And I'm like, okay, I buy him as like, he's kind of preppy and he kind of puts off that vibe like he's rich. And so he just got like, in putting the cool crew because he's like rich and hot and so like i bought him but for some reason guy 
I wasn't buying it, but you're saying you bought into it. I know. So him being like the main guy, I'm like, eh, that would not happen. The guy actually in the movie that I would be like, kind of like the front runner there is Jessica Alba's annoying ass boyfriend. I forget what his name is in the movie, but he's like a total jock, very frat boy ass. Like he's the one who like on the Ferris wheel when they're on there and is oh. like, like Mr. Coulson. Like, yeah. He, he gave like, me dazed dude, and confused vibes. <laughs> like that dude, I could see being more in guy's role than guy. Because yeah. like guy, guy is like not kind of like your stereotypical cool kid. Like he could be like part of the cool crowd, but he would be, I think, sideline. Right. That was my takeaway too, is I kind of want like a jock, preppy jock, rich guy kind of star quarterback in the guy role in the guy perkins role so where are we netting out though we can both agree that we think that it should have been like a hot jock in the role of guy perkins but knowing that guy perkins was in that role are we netting out with that's a good looking dude Uh, i'm gonna officially say that he's hot really yeah I i was watching with anna and you and she was it wasn't her her like taste. She was like, ah, just not seeing it with this guy. He's like I I think he's good looking, but I'm not really into him. But I do think he's attractive. Attractive, but not for me. And there's definitely yeah that moody whatever like emo band boy look that some people like. Dude, it's what makes the world go round. You know, look, we got four people. You pick. Let me recap. We got one, Drew Barrymore's insanely douchey assistant. Two, Jessica Alba is the hot bitch, Regina George-esque. Three, Molly Shannon is the office slut. Amazing. And four, Guy Perkins, teach his own hot guy. Who is your Ryan Phillippe Practice Year Award winner of this movie, Pat? Merkin. Merkin. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, I don't need any time to even think about it. It's Merkin. Yeah. Yeah. You were kind of, you were zeroed in on him from the get go. I, I yeah. Merkin, uh, I'm so done with him. Yeah. He sucks. <laughs> Biggest douche in the movie, hands down. Yep. Do less, Merkin. You fucking suck. Okay, dude. Should we go to prom? Yeah. I, also, fun fact about Merkin. Okay, yeah. That I found earlier. Lay it on uh, me. One of the things that he is best known for is starring in the first Got Milk commercial. What? <laughs> Dude, that is an amazing fact. It's just a very random, like, what the fuck type of facts, but yeah. That, to me, is kind of clicking, like, at a 13% rate. So, like, I feel like if I saw that ad, it would ring a bell with him. <laughs> yeah, it's um, the more you know. Damn, yeah, the more you know. Shit, dude, those are some insanely fun facts about Merkin. Wild stuff, dude. I can't believe first got milk guy. That is, like... It feels, like, on brand for Merkin, though. I'm like, of course you were. Yeah. Anyways, he's just like one of those guys that he's like a that guy. You see him and you're like, oh, that guy. Um, Okay, dude, should we go to prom? Let's go to prom. I'm ready for prom. She goes to prom. She's nervous that like she's going to have the same bad experience at her prom when she was in high school. She's all jacked up about it. 
as a viewer, you were kind of thinking that was also going to happen. Like when her date shows up, you were assuming that he was going to throw the eggs at her face or ice cream um, at her face, like, like back in the day. And no, it's different because now she's kind of been made cool by her brother. She goes to prom and she fucking wins prom queen. And now it's like, even though everything's great for her, she sees that the cool, hot guy, Guy Perkins, is about to do what used to happen to her all the time in high school, which is like all the cool people get shitty with the nerds and they're doing it with her now her mathlete friend from her current high school experience who she ditched when she started hanging out with the cools. They're now going to do this thing where like guy starts dancing with her and then they're going to pour like wet dog food, Alpo dog food all over her. And like, everyone's going to have a good laugh. That's fucked up bullying. (laughs) It's fucked up bullying. But I like that Drew Barrymore kind of said, you know what? Fuck this. I'm stopping this yeah. bullshit. The buck stops here. Yep. I liked it. And it led to this clip where Drew Barrymore confesses everything at prom. Here it is. Let me tell you something. I'm 25 years old. I'm an undercover reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. And I have been beating my brains out trying to impress you people. Let me tell you something, Gibby, Kirsten, Kristen... You will spend your lives trying to figure out how to keep others down because it makes you feel more important. All of you people, there is a a big world out there, bigger than prom, bigger than high school, and it won't matter if you were the prom queen or the, the quarterback of the football team or the biggest nerd in school. Find out who you are and try not to be afraid of it. I, I like that. I like that too. So yeah, mad props to Josie for that. She did expose her brother as well, which... <laughs> yeah, tough I, for I, that guy. I know he was mad at her for exposing him, but yeah. it's like, mm, come on, dude. He kind of, that was one of those, we don't really want to see it because he was crushing high school again. Um, and about to like go off to college as a baseball player, which is hilarious as like a 25 year old going back to high school, getting a baseball scholarship to college. But it was kind of one of those, this needs to happen. David Arquette. I, I like, I felt the same way I was, I was rooting for him. I think we both like him because he was a good intention guy. You know, he's kind of an idiot. Highly positive. Yeah. And, and he just, he was a good guy at his core, like really good character inside. You were rooting for him no matter how stupid it was, like his setup. It was like, yeah, this should happen, but we're rooting for it. But let's get yeah. to the teacher now, dude, because what happens is the pedophile teacher, MCITW winner on this podcast, he finds out that she's not actually 16 and a half. And that really upsets him. He is so upset. This was the point of the movie that I just was severely confused. Because I was thinking, hey, pedophile teacher, what's up? Why is this not awesome? You found out. Guess what? You don't have to 
fucking child molest, you get to now hook up with someone who's totally legal. You find out she's 25. What's the downside? You're like, oh, you're you're over 18? Well, I don't fuck with that. Oh, no. I don't fuck with that at all. <laughs> well, okay, so... Whoa, you can rent a car? You can rent a car from Hertz and fucking Enterprise? I'm out. <laughs> that's that's not it, though. It's like he's, like, mad that she lied, and he felt like he was just, like, a pawn. Like, they were trying to, like... He felt like they were trying to make a story out of, like, him potentially being like inappropriate which so, he like, was which they like that's what that's what gus wanted josie to do like she wanted him to make a move on her like yeah gus, gus really wanted that story dude so, like, to me the biggest miss in this fucking whole movie is that it didn't end with she just totally blows this pedophile teacher up for being a pedophile and she becomes super rich and famous as a journalist at her a newspaper because she cracked the case on this fucking pedophile teacher who was a pedophile. Like that's what I wish how it ended, but it didn't, it didn't end like that. <laughs> it didn't end with the pedophile teacher just being locked up. Who's upset that she, that the girl that he wants to fuck is not 16 and a half anymore. It doesn't end like that. She writes this big article of like, Oh no, now he's mad at me. And I got to get him back. And the only way that I can get him back is to like make my newspaper article about my entire six months going undercover in high school about how I fell in love with this dead serious teacher who genuinely thought he was in love with a 16 year old. Now I'm going to make this whole article about how I've never actually been kissed. And I'm going to go to a baseball diamond and wait for this pedophile to kiss me on the mound. Do you think that he would have actually shown up? A very good question. If you're the teacher, in no way, shape, or form, can you fucking show up on that baseball mound Mm -mm. after that article is written? She writes this article saying, like, I'm going to go out on the mound before our first high school baseball game, and I'm going to stand on the mound now that everyone knows I'm undercover and I'm actually 25 and I'm in love with this teacher. I love you. We're going to put five minutes on the clock before the first pitch and I'm going to wait for my first ever real kiss from this guy. Now, if I'm that guy, I read that and I now know that I've been probably like slammed. I think in real life, the press would slam him. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So in real life, if I'm that teacher, I don't give a fuck about how bad she's going to look in that five minutes standing up on that mound by herself waiting for no one. I'm not doing this like dog and pony show and going out there. I'm not. Yeah. I, there's no way I would have shown up. No (laughs) chance. (laughs) Okay. Good. Good. We're just both going to let her fucking drown in her patheticness up on that mound for five minutes. Yeah, and I mean, you couldn't even really hate on him if he didn't show up. I mean, there's so many other reasons, but she lied to him the whole time. So, like, that alone kind of stands for not showing up, aside from all the pedophile stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So much, just so many lies. And, like, I just, if I was him, like, I mean, it's so inappropriate overall, but, like, like, you would just feel, like, so used for a story. I would be like, fuck no, I'm not showing up. 
But you know what? He does show up. Song. But he does show up. I, I just the ending blew my mind. He shows up with like three, two, one. Oh, it hits zero, and then here he comes out of the fucking dugout, runs out onto the field, runs onto the mound, and gives her like her first real, real kiss of all time. And I was just like, I don't know why everyone is cheering in this baseball stadium. This guy's a fucking pedophile. And, and I think isn't that like when everyone else starts kissing them too? I think that's when our girl office home, Molly Shannon, yeah, and Gus have a kiss. I loved watching them get together. I picture that actually being their end game. Like I, I bet they end up getting married after that. Oh that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we're like, if we're on Never Been Kissed too, like in that sequel. Molly, Shannon, and Gus are just oh, yeah. married, running the Molly newspaper. With kids, there's yeah. no Roger from Op-Ed is not in the picture anymore. No, and I think that boss has actually died from a heart attack or a stroke, and now Gus is running the newspaper with Molly ooh, Shannon ooh. as his wife. Yeah, actually, I could totally picture that. And I would imagine. Okay, let's just go to it though. It, any other plot lines? Big plot lines from. Uh, never been kissed too. I'm going to tell you where I think the pedophile's at, and then you tell me where you think Josie's at. I think the pedophile he got with Drew Barrymore, but then it was like once the novelty wore off and all the shit with like the article and the fame of like you know being from the article and all that. Once that wore off, it was kind of like he just couldn't let his pedophile ways die, and so he quit that job. But he started at a new high school. And now he's like married to Drew Barrymore, but like on the side, he's trying to fuck other 16 year olds at the new high school he works for and going to like carnivals. You have a very dark mind on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, never been kissed too. Definitely gets a little dark. And uh, yeah, he's just doing all of his, his, uh, he's up to his old shit, dude. Like going to carnivals by himself, not with Drew Barrymore, just like getting on Ferris wheels with 16 year olds, trying to finger bang him like up in the Ferris wheel and stuff. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't quite picture that being the vibe of the sequel. What, so what do you think Josie's up to in the sequel? Well, so there, it can split two ways. It's either Josie and Michael Varton do end up getting married and then the sequel is honing in on one of their kids and like something high school-esque with their kid. That could be one plot line. What I what the other one could be is that Josie and Mr. Colson don't work out for whatever reason. And then something happens that like causes them to cross paths again. And then they figure it out. Maybe he's teaching at the high school that her kids are going to. And let's keep it a little dark. He actually starts trying to hook up with Josie's daughter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he realizes it's drew Barrymore. He stops trying to fuck her daughter 
and goes back to trying to get with her because he loves her so much. And that's how we turn or it out the dark. And now that Josie is also fucked up and is like threesome. Oh, yeah, right. And that's that's like the closing scene. Yeah. Just yeah. a wild threesome with Drew Barrymore and her daughter. And Mr. Coulson. Mr. Coulson. That, that, that's a good note to end. The, let's, let's end there. I love that note. A threesome with Drew Barrymore and her daughter and Mr. Coulson. Yeah. MVP, dude. Now, let me just say quickly, this MVP, while you're queuing it up, is brought to you by the entire industry of Japanese denim. We love you, Japanese denim. You get all your Japanese denim at Banana Republic. It's the softest shit ever, ever to graze your kneecaps, your thighs, your calves, everything that is leg-related. It's the best denim out there. And like we say on this podcast, Japanese denim that is Japanese-made, podcaster-approved. Okay, Pat, who's your MVP? So my MVP is the character Anita, played by Molly Shannon. Love that. I love it. I have a few reasons why. List them out. So the first one is the most boring one, but she is a good friend. I like her. I think she's a good person. She pushes Josie through all this. Huge factor in making everything happen. But the other two are very strong points. Okay. She is unapologetically herself as the office hoe. Love that. does not conceal that by any means. If anything, she's too direct about it. Right. I love that. You got to give people props for owning who they are. (laughs) I love the character who plays like the slut in the movie who just is like, fuck it, you know, fuck it. Yeah. Like you, she, she's like, I am a slut. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Roger (laughs) from op-ed. I did suck his dick. (laughs) What's the big deal? He's like, He's like, I'm going to probably go do it in the office bathroom at lunch break. What's the big deal? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I love that. Yep. But no, I, I give her props for just owning that. And then I also, the other bullet I had written, written down was um, she successfully taught sex ed at the high school on the fly. Impromptu <laughs> sex ed. Dude, Molly uh, Shannon just owns. I love Molly Shannon. She's hilarious. I, I really like her. Can I just say her role in Night at the Roxbury is like amazing as fuck. Yeah. Oh. The, the, late, the late 90s were a good time for her. I mean, you have Night at the Roxbury, you have Never Been Kissed, and you also have Superstar. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't speak for Superstar if she plays this character, but in Night at the Roxbury and Never Been Kissed, she just plays a slut who owns being a slut like wholeheartedly and it's amazing. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, dude. I love that. That's the perfect MVP. I, I didn't have anything other than that. I, that wraps it for me. If that does it for you, I, I thought we got in and out and just crushed all the main stuff from that movie. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I don't think I have anything else. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Rufus. Who was Rufus? It's their word for cool. Oh, yeah. What? Explain that. Is Rufus cool? What? So that's essentially like in Mean Girls when they're trying to make fetch happen, correct? Correct. 
And it's Rufus. But it's Rufus. I kind of liked it w- once I got used to it because I'm like, oh, that's just a little thing that they're not really explaining. But but it was a slow burn. I didn't appreciate it at first. I appreciated it the more the movie I, went on. So I was, I'm pretty much in the same camp. Like I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my God, that's so dumb. And then and my, after I'm thinking about it more, I'm like, I mean, <laughs> I feel like maybe I would have said that. <laughs> oh, or maybe dude. I would have gotten on board with that in high school. Did you and your friends have any Rufus-esque words? Because what I what I wrote down was nothing on the level of Rufus, but Nison was one. Nison, Nison. I like that. And That's like to what? How would you use that in in a sentence? Just saying something's cool. You'd be like, ah, oh, Nison. Damn, I kind of <laughs> like that, dude. That was a I Lord mean, thing. Did you guys not use Nison at Lords? No, but I kind of want to just start using it now. Nison for show. Yeah. Nice. That's a cool word. Nice. <laughs> I like that, dude. Yeah, maybe maybe start using that at work and just see yeah. how that pans out. Yeah, someone says like, "Oh, hey, yeah, I did get those TPS reports. Here's the TPS reports." I'll go, "Oh, nice and nice and for show, Woody. Nice and for show. You did it. Nice and." She <laughs> confused, but then they'll assume like, "Damn." I, I feel like we use tight a lot in grade school and high school for substitute for cool. Oh yeah. yeah. Stoop Wody. Stoop Wody. That's stoop. Stoop. I that was never a thing me and my friends said. Again, dude, I'm going back more to grade school in these words because I remember stoop being a thing that like people a couple grades below me said. Oh yeah, the class the OLL class of 04. I want to say the class one below me in 03 was saying stoop a lot they, too. they were using stoop a lot and 04 was using stoop a lot yeah yeah stoop god uh, that, fucking that's dumb stoop. is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways yeah i like those those ads though, those late ads by you i think we did this movie justice for seeing it 21 years after the fact I think we gave that movie everything we could <laughs> because there half of that movie is abysmal and it's trash. So I think the fact oh. that we just spent over two hours breaking it down with a fine tooth comb is kudos to both you and I in this podcast studio. I agree with that. <laughs> we did the, We did the right thing. But yeah, dude. Hey, thanks for coming on. This has been fun. I appreciate you coming on, giving us a West Coast perspective for the kids. <laughs> thanks for having me on. I've been talking to your sister about wanting to come on this for a while, so I'm glad we made it happen. Yeah. Well, uh, whenever uh, you're able to travel again and you're back in Cincy, just uh, let me know, and then we can get you and Mag D. I would like love to the next time I'm in town. So hopefully that'll be. Yeah, we'll do it. All right, dude, let me do my sign off. I'm going to do it quickly. I'll tell the kids, kids, quarantine. You got to be safe out there, kids. Be really safe. And while you're doing that, you tuck on in. You have a really good night's sleep, kids. I'm going to go into my pedophile voice, exactly like the pedophile from this movie and say, while you're sleeping tight, clear eyes, full hearts, do less, kids. Have a good night.
You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.